Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of First Importance, the official podcast of First Baptist Church in West Memphis, Arkansas, here where we love God, care for one another, and share the gospel. I'm Pastor Josh Hall, and I'm joined today on this special podcast with our student pastor, John Blackford. What's going on, y'all? <laughs> this is a special podcast. Uh, normally, every Sunday, we live stream our services, and then we will take the audio from that and put it on our podcast uh, each and every week. Our wonderful music pastor, uh, tech uh, manager to the stars, Johnny Coggin. Woo! Yeah, Johnny! Yeah, yeah, yeah. All-star. Uh, normally, it takes care of all that for us, but this week, uh, during our Sunday morning worship services, we had some technical difficulties. Not Brother Johnny's fault, not anyone's fault. Just nope. We run into these difficulties. We were unable to live stream, and so one of the things we are able to do on Sundays is we live stream our service over to another room in our facilities called Lear Hall, and that's where families with small children meet. And so y'all yeah. weren't able to do no, it, John. No, not at all. But we were still together, though. All right, still together. <laughs> with the kids. Uh, with, with the kids on Sunday morning. Um, and so we were wondering, what, what do we do? Because our audience each and every week, uh, we, we are, love having our audience able to worship with us, uh, digitally able to do it over uh, online and here via our podcast. We, we were trying to think of what to do to still allow you to be in the loop and uh, really, the best way for us to do that was instead of just re-recording me preaching that sermon again, uh, what we, what I thought we would do, John, is that you and I would walk through the text that I preached on this Sunday and just talk about the glorious, wonderful truths of Ephesians chapter two. Does that sound good? That sounds wonderful. Uh, it's, it's a good one. All uh, right, it's, it's a great a good one. one, right? I mean, Ephesians chapter two over the last few weeks, as I've been studying it, has become one of my favorite, if not my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. Almost definitely. I mean, you can spend a month or even two on chapter one, you know. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Ephesians is just one of those great books. And so I want to go ahead and encourage you, if you're joining us on our podcast today, to join us in Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two. And our our text for this past Sunday was in verses 11 through the end of the chapter. But I want us to have some context as we look at chapter 2 today. And so have your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 2. And let's pray real quickly together as we open up God's Word together. Father, today, give us your wisdom, give us your insight, and use this time to encourage your followers and to draw us closer to you. Thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 2, two weeks ago, we looked at verses 1 through 10, and we're, we're looking at this great switch that has occurred. In chapter 2, in verse 1, we read of this terrible beginning that we were all in. Chapter 2, verse 1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work. And the sons of disobedience. We we learned our John our our beginning place was death. Now, how, how does that really affect the way that we view things, John? I think a lot of us think that we're born alive with some type of right. freedom, but we're not, are we? No, not at all. Um, Jesus said, if um, anyone wants to um, inherit eternal life, he has to be born again. Like he has to be reborn um, uh, spiritually, and so. 
um, Ephesians chapter two, the first um, two verses of that, like really highlights that like we are dead um, without Christ. Yeah, no, and and absolutely no hope in this world spiritually without pulse, without heartbeat. That is the state of the world. And a lot of times we as believers have unreal expectations of the world, right? Right. We have expectations that they would be moral or that the world would have a spiritual compass of some kind. Maybe there's some goodness deep down. And as believers, we know better, but still we... We kind of have, I don't know, this Disney mentality that there's something good in the heart that if you follow, right. it'll it'll lead to good things. But yeah. we're born dead, right? Without without hope, and it, and the situation got worse because at the end of verse three, it says that we were children of wrath. That means that the wrath of the Almighty, Eternal, Holy, Infinite, Righteous, Just God, His wrath was hanging over us, and rightly so, justly. His wrath for every sin that we'd ever committed was hanging over us. And Jonathan Edwards said in one of his famous sermons many, many years ago, it was like we were spiders being held over a fire, that at any moment God could and should and would be right to drop us into punishment, into hell forever. Right, but then we came to verse four. Right, it changed everything. But God, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He hath loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us to lie alive together with Christ. And just think about that truth. How wonderful that is! That God has. While we were still dead in our trespasses and sins, God made us alive together with him. He saved us. Not We did not do anything to earn the salvation. And anyone who's listening, you can't be good enough to earn salvation, to keep salvation. It was an act of grace showing his mercy and his love. And we learn through the verses uh, following, verses 5 through 10, what we looked at the week before this past Sunday was that he saved us so that we would be trophies of his grace mm. so that he would continuously throughout all eternity be able to say, hey, I, look at look at Josh. Man, I really saved him. Look at my grace and my power. If mm. I was able to save Josh or John, look at how good I am. And then he saved us so that he might begin a work in us, so, so that we would be his we would be his uh, his job, right? We would be his his hobby. He would be working on us and making us uh, uh, something great in him. That's when we come to verse 11. And this past week, we looked at the switch. Not only have we been changed from death to life, but in the second week, we, we looked that we've been brought from far off to near, right? And I love how uh, we, we see this transition being made in verse 11, therefore, in light of our salvation from death to life, God's sovereign hand in our salvation, in light of that, he calls us to remember something. He calls us to remember that not only were we dead, but we were alienated. Hey, John, mm. let's, uh, why don't you wow. read verse 11, uh, 11 through 12 for us? Okay. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision 
which is made in the flesh by by hands, verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Just completely estranged. <clears throat> yeah. And I know that people probably don't have context for that, but right. you know, uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament time, the scripture teaches us that really, as human beings, we fit into one of two categories, either Jews right. or Gentiles, right? Yeah. And life as a Gentile wasn't that great, right? It wasn't, no. Uh, definitely not. I mean, as it um, relates to like going to the temple to worship, like they were alienated from the from the Jewish courts to go and like make their sacrifices um, before God had an entire court. Like they could not go into the actual temple. Right. And you know, when God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, the intention was not that the Jewish people would hoard God's blessings, but that they would be, uh, they'd be a conduit of God's blessings to the nations. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like that got flipped on its head. Genesis 12 tells us about the calling of Israel through Abraham and how his children and his children's children would make this great nation that would be set apart for him uh, and that they would be a light to the nations, right? Through them, all of the nations would be blessed. And while God was good to that promise through Jesus, they did everything they could, just like mankind does. We're bad representatives of God all the time. They did everything they could to be in exact opposition right. to that, to keep it all to themselves. Yeah, That's just crazy. We don't think about that today, that as Gentiles, most of the, the listeners will be people who are not born uh, genetically, genealogically, uh, Hebrew people, Israel people. We would have been on the outside looking in. Yeah. But separated. Separated, right? That's what that scripture says here, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of israel you know we're estranged and the last of verse 12 says having no hope and without god Mm. in the world you know like that was the current situation no hope that verse uh chapter two like highlights beautifully you know like you were dead um and the end of verse 12 says um having no hope yeah dead no hope that was our, that was our position, and I, I just think about being estranged, John. It's like it's no fun being on the outside looking in. Oh, not at all. To feel like you're on the outside of a joke, to feel like you're on the outside mm. of your friends or family. Uh, wow. You know that's where we were. Yeah. We didn't have family. We were we were orphans. Wow. That was where we were. We were completely estranged. You know, Paul introduces that because he says we were adopted to himself as sons um, through Jesus Christ. At the beginning of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, right? Right. Wow, that's that's so wonderful. And Paul, the only imperative in this entire text, or through Mm. verses um, 11 through the end of chapter 2, the only imperative is remember. Wow. And so, believers, we want to encourage you to remember. Like, you're not in this great state because you were born that way you are not a believer because of anything you did remember you were alienated not only were you dead 
you were on the outside looking in, and God changed that. And I think we're going to see in verses 13 through 18 that not only were we estranged, but we as God's church, as God's people, have been embraced. Let me read that for us. Verses 13. Uh, I'll, I'll read verse 13 just a little bit, and then we'll, we'll talk about it for just a, a moment. But now, it's the same type of transition that happened in verse 4. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God. And in verse 11, we see that we were uh, alienated from God. But in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ. And I, I gave this illustration Sunday, John. Okay. And uh, man, it's just, it, it, it's, it's such a, it was such a, a lasting impression on me this weekend. This weekend, I took my family to see uh, my in-laws, and uh, they live in Hot Springs. We had driven down, and, and we went to go see my wife's grandmother, who lives there on the same piece of property that her parents live on. And my, my daughter was running down to see her. Her name is G. We okay. they call her G, right? So G's walking down the stairs from her porch, and... My daughter runs to the base of the stairs and yelling, gee. Nice. Right? And when she gets to the base of those stairs, my daughter just stretches out her arms, right? And looks up at her. Mm. Like my daughter's ready to give her the biggest, right. bestest hug, wow. right? Yeah. And when I, when I read this passage of scripture, it reminds me of Jesus on the cross. And with just a little bit of sanctified imagination, I think, you know, Jesus' hands were outstretched and were nailed to that cross so that he could pay the price for my sin so that when he came down, he could bring those arms back around me and embrace me. Wow. Man. We were alienated? Hey, that will preach right there. <laughs> my goodness. Well, I hope it did. I, uh, you know, Our audience won't hear that sermon, but I hope that that did reach there. But that certainly that text does preach to us. He has brought us near by the price of his own blood. He brought us near to him. And he also says here that he himself is our peace. John, I think we get the impression, even amongst youth and in today's world, that there is peace outside of Christ. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. In so many different ways. Right. Yeah. And what areas do you find right now, as you're, as you're ministering to the youth, what areas do you find that they are really looking for peace in? I feel like um, acceptance their self-esteem, you know, and um, their morality, you know. Right. Um, if I can just um, do something, not do something, maybe God will like me and I can be on good terms with Him. And so um, week in and week out, um, we try as a, a student ministry to elevate um, a, the gospel that's founded on grace and not um, morality. Um, right. Um, because that's the gospel. Like yeah. you were dead <laughs> without God, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with, with which he loved us, uh, made us alive together through grace. You have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. And so talking about the gospel of grace, um, that should cause us to live for him, cause us to be obedient for him, for the one that gave us his all, 
we should logically, the only logical response is to give him our all. Right. And so um, just really trying to um, uh, work against this gospel of morality and works um, um, because when um, when God looks at you, if you're in Christ, he sees Jesus, and it's in Jesus that he's well-pleased. Um, and so as we're talking about peace among teenagers today, um, finding that peace, the real peace, um, in God through Christ instead of other things. Yeah. Um, that's just a short highlight of my heart, you know, for the, the next generation. Um, and, that, you know, I think sometimes, John, that we look at the youth and we say, well, this is what they're dealing with today. And certainly you're, you know, your, your fingers are on the pulse of that and you're, you're figuring, figuring all those things out. But really, you know, that's just, a, a microcosm that's just a small picture of really all of humanity trying to find peace in relationships oh yeah right i can just if i can just be in on this crowd or be on the inside of this i'll have peace but right. you know the world war after war has given treaty after treaty and none of them has left us with lasting peace mm. peace is not something that mankind can promise you know why because it's not our kingdom it's God's kingdom. It's Jesus' kingdom. He is the prince of peace. He rules over that. He is the only one who can bring peace to the heart, can bring peace between God and man. And because he is the only one that can bring peace between God and man, he is the only one that can bring peace between man and man. That's right. And all these other movements that are going on in the world that we ought to empathize with, and we ought to love, and we ought to be compassionate with, we also ought to proclaim the truth that real peace can only be found in Jesus. That's right. It's the only lasting peace that there is. In verses 13 and 14, we learn that he himself is our peace, and he made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Um, I got to do some really cool investigation the last week as I was preparing for this sermon, and on the outside of the temple set a court that was outside, it was outside the temple. It was called the Court of the Gentiles. It's where the Gentiles were able to be. And, and really, it was kind of in God's plan to allow a, a, a place that would that would be near the temple that the Gentiles could come. And it appears that from all of Scripture that this place was intended that they would come and they would see the glory of God resting on his temple, right? That they would see how his people interact and they would see the difference of those people. The the humility as they bring a, a lamb, uh, as they bring a sacrifice that they had really invested in, that they had, uh, that was that was the best of what they had. As they saw them bring that and bring a sacrifice to the Lord, they would see that they were different and that their God was real. And I, I get the picture that it was God's intent that in seeing that difference that those Gentiles would repent and serve the one true living God. Mm -hmm. But here's the court of the Gentiles and a, a huge wall that separates them from the actual temple where, every, where the worship is, is really going on. And above the door, above the gate that, that led to the temple, uh, there was a, a strict warning for the Gentiles. It said, keep out for the sake of all that is holy. 
So as I studied this this past week, I was reminded of how in Matthew chapter 21 and in Mark in, in chapter 11 and Luke chapter 19, when Jesus comes into the temple, he walks into the court of the Gentiles, right? And he sees, instead of it being a house of prayer and a place of proximity for people to see God and have transformation, he saw the people who were claiming to be God's people taking advantage of the Gentiles. He was uh, seeing that these Gentiles were now selling really useless sacrifices that really had no sacrifice in them, no investment from the Jewish people being made in those in those animals whatsoever. That he saw people being ripped off. He saw uh, the religious elites making a, a lot of money. As much as hey, John, sometimes those sacrifices were marked up as much as ninety nine percent. Wow! Jesus walks in, and he is righteously angry. He overturns those tables. He says, this is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. I can almost see Jesus saying, you've come to exploit the world at the gate, and I've come to to tear down the wall. Mm. You've come to take advantage of them. I've come down to tear down that wall, to tear down the curtain between God and man, and to create lasting peace, to bring those who are far off to bring them near. I, I just think that's so incredible and so wonderful. And you know, the scripture says, John, that we are all one in Christ. In Galatians chapter 3 and verses 27 through 28, we learn that if we were baptized into Christ, we've put on Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, and there is neither male nor female. God has united us together. And what a what a glorious thought yeah. that the 21st century church has forgotten. We were far yeah. off. We were alienated. Yeah. But God broke down the wall. He did everything. Right. Our work is faith. You right. know, like right. we are saved by grace through faith. And um, all of this is given to us. Um, we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace, um, who has made us both uh, one, and he has broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall. Yes. Um, and it's over and over again. Ephesians 2, well, um, the first half of Ephesians um, tells us um, the the work of Christ for us. And if we were excluded, if we really remember that we were excluded, shouldn't this have some great implications for the church when it comes to race relations as well? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um because everyone's on the same playing field. We were all dead spiritually. Right. We were all um, separated, um, and we we're all in need of a Savior. Right. Color, culture, language should not be a barrier for us with regards to fellowship because we are united in Christ. And so, you know, I may be, you know, I may be of Anglo descent, and I, I may, you know, have that Arkansas. You know, you can hear my deep twang here on the <laughs> on the microphone. You. I may be an American, but before all of those things, I mean, like all of those things are so much lower to me now that I am his. Like I'm his first, and if you're his, it doesn't matter what color, what language, what background you had. We are together. I have more in common with a follower of Jesus Christ who is in Africa, who doesn't speak my language, doesn't have my uh, same tone of skin, uh, right. Anything I have more in common with him 
than I have with a lost white man on the other side of Marion or West Memphis. Yeah. You know, in Acts chapter 2, when, when we see um, the early church, it said that, that they had all things in common. Um, what I, I really like about that um, picture of the church, it talks about um, the church being in awe of God and just what has been done um, in Christ. And it says that we have all things, that the church has all things in common, you know, because they're one, they're together yeah, yeah. through Christ. You know, and so that's what I think about. Um, and so as we as we even say that, if you're listening today, uh, we, we know that, that the flesh is, is strong and we're constantly put to death, the things of the flesh. We just want to encourage you as a church here at First Baptist Church West Memphis, as people who are established on the Word and, and Jesus Christ, we are not people who give ear or give heart to racism or, or anything of that kind. We are to love and to really share in common with those who've, especially those who've been called by Jesus, we're to, we're to, we're on the same playing field, and we're to desire that everyone in the world would come to know that same Jesus, because we know that only peace and unity can be found in Him. That's right. Which gives us a good transition. We begin uh, by saying that we were estranged, and we learned that really in verses eleven uh, through twelve. We saw in verses thirteen through eighteen that we have been embraced. And then finally, what I preached about Sunday is we looked at verses 20 through 22 is that we were established. We are established as a church, as God's people, we have been established. And he says that pretty clearly in verse 20, that we were built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. You know, it's incredibly important uh, that this church and every church, all of God's people, be reminded that we as God's people are established, we are grounded in the word but there's no philosophy there's no personality there is no other basis that we have as a church there's no creed nothing the bible is what we as god's people are grounded in right that's right it doesn't matter what politicians say the church ought to be like or what other preachers say the church ought to be like and as much as i'm thankful to be a southern baptist it doesn't matter what Southern Baptists say the church ought to be like. What matters is what God's Word says. It's infallible. It's inerrant. That means that it is without error. It is incapable of error. And God's Word is enough for us. God's Word, if, if like, John, if we're sitting here doing this podcast and like you're, you're, let's say you're not paying attention, you're reading the scripture, which by the way, everybody, he is paying attention, but let's say <laughs> that he's not paying attention. He's reading the scripture and, it's, and it comes across a passage and says, oh wait, Josh, this here says that we really shouldn't be doing podcasting, right? Of course it doesn't. But if it did, we would say, hey, you know, it doesn't matter what tradition or what new things we would want to try. It doesn't matter. What matters is what God's Word says, and what God says about His church, that's what we want to be. Right. That's who we yeah. are to be. His Word is at the very core and foundation of His church. For sure. That's how we've been established. Uh, we are... Uh, we are grounded in the word. We are founded in Jesus. That's what he says in verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, being the cornerstone. Jesus is the very uh, bedrock on which the foundation of Scripture is laid. Uh, you know, I, I told people this the other day. When, when well-intentioned preachers uh, try to, 
and excuse even the, just like the outright term here, unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament, right? Okay. When we try to say that the Old Testament is not necessary or, or that the inerrancy or infallibility of the Bible is not even really a question. Uh, some people will say what really matters is the resurrection. That's what they'll say. Some, yeah. I've heard many other pastors say that what really matters is the resurrection. And to that we say, listen, without the scriptures, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus have no context. That's right. And have no meaning. Rather, his life, his death, his resurrection, okay, all of that validates all of scripture. Right. He, he died in accordance with the scripture Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verses 3 through 4. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Right. So Jesus is the cornerstone of that foundation that we find in the Bible. The church is about Jesus. It's not about any yeah. personality. It's not about a good preacher you may have, right? Uh, you don't follow Adrian Rogers or you don't follow David Platt or you don't follow... Uh, Vody Bacham, the church is built on Jesus, right? He is our cornerstone. And then finally he says that not only are we grounded in the word, founded on Jesus, but in verse 21 it says, in whom the whole structure is being joined together, grows into a holy temple. God is building us together. So John, i got a question for you, okay? And okay. this is really a question that I want to leave uh, uh, with our with our listeners as they're as they're hearing us today, is if we have such a good foundation, if we have such a good cornerstone, why so often does the church look like such a bad structure? Oh man, that's a hard question. That is a hard question. The first thing you know, the church is um, a body that has, that has many members, but one body, and um, every member. Um, is just as important as the um, other member. And you know, like the church is a body of people. And so our salvation is based on what Christ has done. Um, and honestly, for me, it's just remembering that um, the work has been completed. And um, I'm a child of God because of what Christ has done. Um, and remembering that, um, that we're saved by grace through faith, you know. Um, you know, and I honestly just being humble and remembering that I was dead, I was far off, I was separated, um, and just remembering the great work of Christ that's completed for us through the cross and resurrection um, should cause me um, to live for Him, um, to um, model the love of Christ um, to everyone around me. Um, and so um, I guess to answer the question, um, just remembering the gospel every day, yeah. preaching the gospel to myself every day, um, and allowing Christ to continue His work that He's going to complete in me at the day when He comes, and in, in the day of Christ Jesus, as it says in, in Philippians. Yes, I think that's just the key, man. I love how you just brought that out. Remember, He's the one building. He's not done yet. Like some of us who are you who are listening, uh, even us on the other side of this microphone, he is uh, he's still chipping away at this right. brick to make it fit in to the building he wants it to be in. And so, man, what a glorious truth. He started it. He raised us from the dead. He brought us near. And now he's even doing the work himself, building us into a place, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. How wonderful. How wonderful. Well, thank you so much for listening to us today on 
our podcast, First Importance, the official podcast of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, where we love God, care for one another, and share the gospel. If you find yourself in our area on any coming Sunday, we want to encourage you to join us for our worship services at 8.30 a.m., our 9.45 a.m. Sunday school and small group hour, and our 11 a.m. worship service. We would love to have you come and join us for any of those worship services. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we look forward to catching you here this coming Sunday where we love God, care for one another, and share the gospel. Thank you.